You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. All right, everyone. It's time for another episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nick Zararis of the Gotham Sports Network to talk about those new Jack Eichel trade rumors that came out Wednesday, as well as coming up with some line combinations the Rangers might want to try out this season. Thanks for joining me, Nick. How are you? Um, uh, I mean, I'm chilling, you know, watching preseason hockey until baseball starts. We're having a Wednesday. I can't complain. Yep. Uh, I mean, I my Mets are out. Um, and Mets, it's, mine uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you are a Mets fan. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, nice, nice season. And then a just really, really rough ending. Uh, I ended up watching that wild card game last night. The Yankees won. And, uh, you know, all those Yankee fans are so disappointed. Uh, I guess that's what you get for saying uh, Garrett Cole is better than Jacob DeGrom. You're not wrong. That That's the chromatic balance bringing things back into order. Mm-hmm. Put some respect on DeGrom's name. Uh, but anyways, um, we're going to get right into the hockey. So this morning, Darren Drager tweeted out um, something about Jack Eichel. Um, there looks like they're moving a little bit closer to, to finishing this whole ordeal. This entire summer was just like, just a, a whole bunch of rumors. It's like, Oh, I hear he's going here. All these other accounts are saying like, all right, yeah, he's definitely going here. The, like the, the Kings are out of it. They don't want him or whatever. Or like the wild are out of it. It's all theoretical hypotheticals. But anyways, Drager tweeted this morning, sources say the Eichel saga may be shifting. Ongoing discussions and additional access to Jack Eichel's medical file has helped teams with trade interests clearly see his situation. Both sides are hopeful something could be worked out soon with one of the clubs in the mix. And that has gotten a lot of people saying like, okay, which team? So you could come up with your hypotheticals, but... Among those has to be the Rangers, right? I would have said yes, but with the expectation of making the playoffs, Eichel needs to have surgery. He needs to rehab. He's not coming back till early February if he were to get surgery tomorrow. The Rangers expect to make the playoffs this year, and assuming they're going to have to trade guys who would be on the roster this year, like Strom, like Kravtsov, someone in that ilk, Heedle even, or one of the defensemen, you can't take that much out of the lineup and not have anyone to go until early February and hope you can survive because this division is going to be difficult. It may not have the high end, most high end teams like the the Pacific does when you have a Vegas or the Central, which is going to be a bloodbath. But there's no Colorado, there's no Tampa that's going to be a hundred ten point type team. But every single night is going to be challenging for the most part because you're going to play Washington four times. You're going to play the Islanders four times. And if you're subtracting Strom, Kraftsov, and assuming one of the prospect defensemen, that's a significant portion of your lineup you're not going to play with. And the Rangers are going to have a hard time scoring even with Strom and Kraftsov and Heedle in the lineup. So with subtracting all of those pieces to get Eichel, Right now, it doesn't make sense from what the team's stated goals are. Now, if they say, well, this is an opportunity we couldn't pass up, and if we don't make the playoffs, whatever, that's different. But the stated message is, we expect to make the playoffs this year. If we don't, it's a disappointment. Then you can't subtract three starters from your lineup if you expect to make the playoffs. That is a very good point. Yeah, people need to remember that Eichel still hasn't had the surgery. 
Buffalo wants him to get one surgery. His doctors want another surgery. And it's just this whole big ordeal. And he's still, he still has this issue with his neck. Right. So I, I think it's a, it's a good point. It's also, I mean, I kind of get Rick Nash vibes from, from all this, like Rick Nash, when he was on Columbus way back in 2012, like um, the Rangers ended up trading him after they, um, after that Eastern conference final run in the off season. But there were rumors that it was going to happen during the season, but that never happened because they didn't want to break up the chemistry. They didn't want to take their starters out of the lineup. So like they would have had to trade like Dubinsky and Isimov, uh, like uh, one of their first, probably uh, maybe even more. I don't, I don't know what, what the whole, what, what it was, what the rumors were at that time uh, at the deadline, but that's what we ended up trading for him. And you got the same thing here where it's like, it's going to be, like prospects and futures for, for these guys. So like guys like Heedle, Kravtsov, Zach Jones picks would entice Buffalo to like pull the trigger. But I like what you're saying about, you know, we're not going to be able to use him. We're not going to be able to get him until at least January. And that's if everything goes swimmingly in rehab, the surgery, there's no problems, that kind of thing. And one other thing that because we're talking about it, through the scope of how it's been reported, you gotta. Everyone has to remember how hockey media works. Darren Dreger is sitting around waiting for people to text him. NHL media is very passive. They wait for people to come to them with information. It's not like Woj and Shams or Schefter who are constantly badgering people. When people, specifically people like Dreger, get news, it's because one of the parties involved in something wants that information out there. Does everyone remember how the Mitch Marner negotiations went, where Dreger was talking to Marner's dad every single day and updating the public? That's what you got to remember. Sure, Eichel's agent probably said, we're talking to teams. I'm facilitating talking to the other teams to try and keep this moving because Jack does want to play this year. And that's the scope you got to remember this is through. This isn't Eichel. This is Eichel's representation trying to get a narrative out there to try and put pressure. All of the stuff you see out there in the media is there because someone wants it there. Whether it be an agent, an executive, everything you're reading on Twitter and articles on websites, it's because someone wants it there. These are not nuggets for the good of the sport. They don't care about that. That news is out there because Eichel's representation wants to put more heat on the Sabres because the season starts next week, and Eichel would like to play this year. He's already upset he's probably not going to get to play in the Olympics, so he does want to get a chance to play for the 2021-2022 season. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think you're bringing up some really, really good points here, like about, about you know, kind of like, clickbaity stuff yes. you know like right so you've we've had episodes go back to like our 30th that we're on like 63 right now we've had episodes where we just spent entire the entire time talking about okay who would you give up for eichel would you give up would you give up Krabsov? would you give up nils lundquist would you give up this guy it's been going on for such a long time and you know i for one have gotten tired of it and you know not hearing any news about it for a while was certainly refreshing for me <laughs> there it was nice to have peace and quiet on this front for a while like everybody kind of said for the month of august all the insiders went to their cabins and their lake houses no reporting there was quiet well training camp started the sabers are expected to only have 8,000 season tickets sold in a 17,000 seat arena. They're going to need a lot of people to buy tickets day of. And 
The Sabres know they're going to be bad this year. They already botched this entire thing. So to some degree, you have to assume that we're operating under the assumption that Kevin Adams is not stupid, even though he's made bad decisions, that this is probably an ownership thing where it's, we can't trade Jack Eichel unless we get X, Y, and Z. That's why I'm assuming it's taken this long for anything to happen and why it still might not happen because there's a clear, you need to get X number of assets. And for the Rangers, anything that's not Kako or Lafreniere is fine with me. Realistically, anything that's not one of those two, you can take Krasov, you can take Hedl, I'll give you Nils Lundqvist. At this point, though, the Rangers need to be ready to go because the season starts next week. And sure, it would be nice to get Jack Eichel to drop in in early February and they go on a run in the second half, but that's going to make the lineup very thin. And trying to absorb an injury once you've already made the lineup thinner is difficult. Again, I think Eichel's one of the 15, 20 best players in the entire sport. It's why you got to give up a lot of stuff for him, but right now it doesn't make a ton of sense. And it's you notice that the Rangers media especially has been quiet about this for a while now. Early June, there was a little bit of a rumbling. July, around the draft, there were some rumblings that maybe something would get rolling. There's been conjecture, but the main people here, whether it's Vince, Brooks, Carp. Everybody's kind of, the Rangers are waiting and seeing. They're not really pressing this aggressively because they know he's not going to be able to play until then. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have such a hot commodity on the market. It doesn't happen. That I can't remember Especially the last hockey. time. I, I mean, I think the last time that I could remember was like maybe Mark Stone, Eric Carlson. Yeah. Stuff. Like, but, you know, with Carlson, there was talk that they were going to do that, like, at the deadline, but then they ended up not doing it. The Rangers ended up trading McDonough, who was, like, the second best on the market at the deadline. Um, but Ottawa didn't want to do it because they wanted to make sure they got everything they wanted. So kind of like how Buffalo's got, like, a checklist of the four first-round pieces or whatever. And that trade ended up working out for, for Ottawa. They got some really good pieces, and then San Jose is pretty much shit the bed. Uh, but – yeah like but like, the draft picks have, haven't worked out for them like they gave up too much like it's and Carlson's like not even close to being the same player I thought that's what was going to happen like that kind of scenario was going to happen with Eichel like they were going to wait till the offseason and then I thought for sure this offseason he was going to get traded but it just never ended up happening but I was going to ask you like who you would have given up if you were the Rangers and you said anyone except for Lafreniere or Kako is, and yep. that's, I guess yep. that's pretty good. And obviously now Shesterkin, now that he's locked up to an extension, cause there was some people floating out the idea of trading like Shesterkin or Georgiev um, before they signed, before he signed his extension, but I wouldn't even I do that. Georgiev doesn't have any value. They tried to trade him two years ago and he's been pretty bad for the last two seasons since they tried I to agree. trade him. He's got minimal value. Shesterkin. I still don't know if signing him to that extension was the smartest idea based on how, you know, 50 NHL starts. They're stuck with him now. So either he's good or he's Martin Jones. And we're going to find out very quickly because the team has not looked the most structured. Granted, it's early coaching change, scheme change. And that does take a little while. I mean, I wrote about it a couple weeks ago that under Quinn, they went something like 8-15, and 8-17 the first couple weeks, and then Vigneault was even worse the first couple weeks of the season because the system changes do take a while to kick in. they got to figure out, iron out the kinks, but I still think the ceiling of the team this year is going to be on the defense because 
The forwards aren't going to be able to score enough because the bottom six just doesn't have production. The defense will be the key. And it's part of why I think you could make a move. If you were to get Eichel, you can center it around those guys on the back end, whether it's Jones, whether it's Lundqvist, Robertson, Schneider. They've got plenty of defensive guys. They have to trade them because they are a team whose window is the next year or two. Those guys sitting in the AHL does not help the team get any closer to winning right now. So it would have made sense to make this happen even if you had to pay a little bit too much at the draft. Even now, I mean, it's too late now to make this move happen, like I keep saying. They had their window to make this trade happen. At this point, I think you got to ride it out and hope he doesn't end up in the division. I mean, it realistically seems L.A., Calgary, the Rangers maybe, and Columbus, if he were willing to go to Columbus. But there's not a lot of landing spots for him, which also makes this complicated. I'd say L.A., Boston, and the Rangers. And there's no way Boston has enough to to offer up in terms of a package. Like, their pipeline is completely thin. Everything that's on their team right now, that's it. That's pretty much all they got. Like, yeah. I don't know much about their farm system. They've pretty much, like, stretched that as thin as it gets. But L.A.'s, on the other hand, is really good. I know Minnesota's is really good. And the Rangers have plenty of defensemen to offer up, too. All right? And, like, these – like, the Rangers guys – as well they're you know they're on the brink of being nhl ready they're not just like yeah. guys that freshly drafted like you know brennan offman like these like zach jones has been in the system for a few years now and he looks like he's going to be a pretty good defenseman um but if eichel was healthy right he's a center obviously he goes to jad eichel or eichel's advantage at one and two however you want to split that up where does that put Strom then? He puts. You think that would put him on the third line? I think Strom would be in the trade if he was good. I think Strom realistically is in the trade to Buffalo as in one the, of the assets. Okay. Because that's the true. Had, yeah, because of the you cap. Have, you have to send money back. Someone would have to go to Buffalo from the roster who's making at least four and a half, five million dollars to make the math work. So it would have to be him because Kreider's no move, Truba's no move. I mean. You could talk me into putting Zabinijad in there and sending Zabinijad to Buffalo and then picks or assets with him, and that would make the money work too. I realistically don't think they should give Zabinijad an extension purely because it's going to make the rest of the team worse because they're not going to have enough money for everyone else. So honestly, just talking out loud here with you, I think honestly you'd be better off trading Zabinijad in that package as opposed to Strom because if you're only paying Strom six and a quarter – over five or six, I think that's preferable to giving Zabinijad eight and a half, nine for seven. Yeah, and you also have to compare like the ages. Like Eichel yes. is younger. This is we had Ryan Mead on a year ago, and he was saying like, okay, if you had to trade straight up Zabinijad for Eichel one for one, would you do it? Absolutely. And the answer was probably yes. It's not even a question. And now it's like for us, it was hard to do it because he had just come off the forty goal season, and we. We're like, no, 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 we can't, we can't. But now seeing it, it's like you kind of have to. Because he's you kind of have to. Because yeah, Zibanejad is like 29. He's gonna be 30. Like if you sign him to a seven-year extension, takes him to like 36 years old, even or even if it's an eight-year, like 37, 30, whatever, however old he, he would be. Um, it's just it, you don't know how long he's gonna be able to like hold on to his production, which is why a guy like Elias Pedersen. Or um or Jack Eichel would be so perfect for this team, 
And at that point, I wouldn't even mind hanging on to Strom because Strom yeah. with Panarin works out really, really well. I love Zibanejad to death. Like, you know, I, he's, he's one of my favorite players, but I mean, a business decision is a business decision, you know? That's one of the things that the Rangers really... I, I've come around on this theory that I get why they went and signed Panarin, why they traded for Trubo, why they made all the moves they did over the last couple of years, because when guys that are that good become available, you got to go and get them. But those guys don't fit the window. Zubinijad, Kreider, those guys don't fit the window. Yeah, this Kreider's team, extension is, is a big problem, I'd say. It definitely is. They don't fit the window. If you're a rebuilding team... You tear it down to the studs. You have no money on your books. That way, when your Lafreniere's, your Kakos, your Lundquists, your Foxes are ready, you can build around them. Now the Rangers are basically one player away from being capped out because Fox is getting at least eight and a half for eight years, seven years, whatever they end up giving him. And that's all your cap flexibility because you either trades of Inishad, you let him leave free agency, no asset coming back. But once you give Fox his extension, you're basically capped out. You are going to have to subtract something good from the team right now, period. Looking at the roster right now, you have about eight and a half, nine million in cap space. That's before the rookie bonuses. So you got to budget out like a million and a half, two million from that. You have seven million dollars in cap space to play with. Fox is going to go from 925 to eight. That's basically your cap space. They are going to have to make an uncomfortable decision about Zabinijad, about Strom, and hopefully not about a Fox, a Kako, a Lafreniere down the road. That is the argument for trading Zabinijad, because you would rather pull off the Band-Aid now, eat the pain while those guys are still young and improving, as opposed to, well, Lafreniere is amazing now, but we can't afford to give him as much as we want, so we have to bridge him, and then we're going to cap him out of our team in three years from now after his bridge is up. That is why this offseason was so important. They needed to take a step this season coming up and figure out their roster. Now there's no room for error. You basically have the team you're going to have because you brought in a Goudreau, a Reeves, a Nemeth. All those guys are taking up cap space that should be going to someone who's going to play a more important role. Now it is a uh, Eichel or Zubinijad or Strom or another top six forward. That is the real problem. They're still at least one player away, if not two, and they don't have the money for two more guys. I think, I think it would help a lot if you know a guy like Kreider was moved, but you can't move him because of his no trade clause. That contract, I've had this opinion set in stone since since the, the day they the signed minute it, it happened. Since the, no, 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 not even. I'm not talking even about that. I'm talking when they traded Buchnevich, the minute they announced that trade, in my head, that contract that Kreider has belongs to Buchnevich. It should. That's it. It, it, it would have been better asset management because Kreider right. was, I believe, 27 when he signed that extension at the deadline. You would have been better off getting a one and something else, whether it be a B level prospect or a two. And Kreider doesn't fit the window. These guys are 20, 19, 21 years old. By the time they're 23, 24, like at the peak of their early primes, Kreider's going to be 33. And we already see him where he disappears a week and a half at a time. His underlying numbers are never bad. He's just not noticeable sometimes. And that's what's so frustrating about someone who's getting as much money as he is. He's not 
terribly overpaid, but in a salary cap sport, every bit a guy is overpaid hurts the rest of the team. Right. And like those streaks of time, those, those areas, like where, you know, he's just so invisible. It makes you think like, we're paying this guy, how much money, how much. And then, but, and then on the flip side, when he's really hot, like whatever that streak he was on, like last season, when he was scoring goals, like, like crazy in bunches, it's like, damn, this guy is pretty good. He needs to find the way to get consistent. And that's why, like, I feel like the Rangers would have named him captain already years ago, but I don't think they would. He's He's not not a captain because he's not the player that they, that they want him to be. Like if he were a consistent, like 30 goal scorer every single year, you know, just didn't fall off the face of the planet. I'd be much more comfortable handing out like this, the letter, you know, years ago, but now I don't even know who it would be. Like if they name Mika captain, it's coming soon by Monday, I think is when they're going to announce it. If they name Mika captain, you know, they're signing him to an extension. There's no way they're going to do that. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, Vince Mercogliano reported a couple weeks ago that they were working on an extension. I wouldn't give it to him. I honestly, I've had this opinion for probably, I'd say two or three years now. There's not a captain on the team. Look at everything that happened over the last two years, the behind the scenes stuff, the the politics stuff that's happened in the background, whether it's you can not have a team fall off a cliff like they did in the second half of the season and then tell me to my face. Well, yeah, Jacob Truba had a great job, did a great job in the locker room the second half of the season. No, he didn't. The team fell off a cliff. Once he got hurt, he should have been in the room every single day on those guys' asses. Instead, they stopped showing up. They phoned it in for the final two weeks of the season. They got killed in those two Islander games. The Tom Wilson thing happened. And we are where we are now because there aren't any leaders on the team. It's a bunch of children, Kreider, Zabinijad, and Truba. I don't think any of them are captain material because a captain wouldn't have let what happened last year happen, period. That is a really good point, yeah. I mean... They, but it's so weird though because they they most certainly need a captain. Like, yes, they need someone to step step up to lead the these younger guys. Like, man, Fox is wait. Fox and Lindgren are too young, but they're my guys. I would pick them to be captain. But they're like leaders by example. They're not guys yeah. like you know Callahan that's going to stand up and like say something to you guys or to say say something to any everyone. That's been it's, the weird thing too. Yeah. Because they said that was one of the things. That's how you know the Rangers are trying to float something out there is when it shows up in a Larry Brooks column. Larry Brooks is the official, like, the Rangers organization wants this out there. So look at Larry's column. He said they want a vocal leader. They said McDonough was too much of a lead-by-example guy, not vocal mm-hmm. enough of a leader. Right. And they threw him on. They threw McDonough under the bus. They made they made it about he wasn't good enough as opposed to yeah he was playing hurt the entire 2017 2018 season that's why he played like shit before you traded him and he's been fine in Tampa Bay ever since he hasn't been as good as he was 2014 2015 but he's still a first pair defenseman he would easily be the first pair lefty on the Rangers if he were still here and that's the thing the Rangers are trying to do things. They're trying to get credibility. They bring in Goudreau, you bring in Reeves, you bring in Blaze, all these guys who've won Stanley Cups or been to Stanley Cup Finals in other places say, we have leaders on our team now. 
Well, they aren't leaders with this team. These guys right, on in the this team, locker room. Yeah, they don't know them. There's no reason. Just because you're saying this guy deserves credibility, you don't know how he's going to interact with the guys you already have on the team. That is one of the things that's irked me for a while, is the Rangers talking about we're building something special here. You just threw a bunch of guys in a room and said, figure it out for the last three years under David Quinn. David Quinn didn't have a clue what he was doing. He was just right. letting the players do whatever they wanted and... You could tell. Why do you think the first power play was playing a full two minutes whenever they wanted to last year? Because Quinn couldn't tell them no. They let Quinn do whatever he wanted, and what happened? Oh, two guys got into a fight. Well, why? Because one makes smart-ass comments to the other guy all of the time, and it's never questioned, and he said it one too many times. D'Angelo mouthed off one too many times, and he got punched in the mouth for it. A good coach and leaders don't let shit like that happen. That's why there's no leaders on this team, and why, yeah, they're talking up Ryan Reeves, they're talking up Truba, they're talking up Kreider. Until the results change, I'm not going to believe it. I really, really like how you how you brought up like the the D'Angelo situation, man. Like that's and that Leas is a really Anderson good point. Too. Leas Even yeah, Leah Anderson ago. too. I don't. We don't. Apparently, there's stuff that we don't know about that went yep. on in the organization. But that's besides the point. He was not held like accountable. Like he was supposed to be, you know, one of the key pieces of this rebuild. Seventh and the Rangers did pick. nothing with him. They did. They nothing did nothing with him. With him. Nothing. Now, I hope Will Cooley, the guy they received for him, turns out to be something good. But that's way down the line. It's a couple years from now, like two, three years from now. He's he's too raw right now. But again, yeah, Leas, that situation, they dropped the, dropped the ball. But David Quinn was also not good because, like, you know, he would force Kako to, to play a way that he had never played before. Like, you know about that, right? Like the dump and chase thing after practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like, so... It's- it's I don't so know, frustrating. I don't understand. That was frustrating. It's... So, like, I'm happy they have Gallant now because, like, I like what he did with the Vegas team. I'm not saying he's perfect, but I think he's, he's a better much better. Quinn. Yes, much better than Quinn, I'd say, for, for me. The... I'm happy with him. The way I described it is if you go from the 29th or 30th best coach in a 32-team league to, like, the 12th or the 11th, which is probably about where Gallant is, you probably get a marginal increase, a couple points in the standings, probably four-ish points, just based on that quality difference. And you're assuming that Lafreniere, Kako, slightly better, Kravtsov, slightly better, Hedl, full season. That, in theory, is probably enough to make this team viable as a playoff team. But once they get to the playoffs, they, they're not going to do anything. That's the thing. That's the real problem. They're not making any progress towards winning a Stanley Cup. They are trying to get there. By taking shortcuts they want leaders but they don't want to actually develop any they want stars they can't develop any yeah i mean i think if they make the playoffs it's going to be like the 2011 team where you know yeah. they barely made the playoffs and they got kicked out in five games but you know what maybe they need that so that yeah. you know the next year they follow up with the eastern conference finals run like the 2012 team you know what i mean like maybe they need something like that to you know get their foot in the door get kicked around a little bit last year they did get kicked they got kicked around a lot especially yeah. in the second half the last two weeks of the season oh my gosh they were getting ragdolled by the islanders it was not fun it was not fun to watch it was that that roller coaster of a season we always talk about it it's just it was worse than like what the mets go through in a year pretty much like it, yeah 
It really was. It was a Mets-esque season from the Rangers. All all the stuff. Panarin having to leave for two weeks in the middle of the season. Them wait, firing the general manager and president four days before the season ends. And then firing the coach after the season. Why are you going to let Quinn coach the last four games if he's getting fired anyway? Get his ass out of there away from the first and second overall picks. He's obviously not working. Get someone with a clue. I think Gallant has a clue. But again, the team is hope right now they have hope they don't have a plan their hope is that Kako Lafreniere will be better there's no way to guarantee they will be better you ready showtime on May 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I think yeah. I just it's a, a lot of a lot falls on like how the players do this year. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, Fox is gonna is gonna show up this year. He's coming off the yeah. Norris Trophy season, right? In his second freaking year, he won the Norris Trophy. You can't say that about a lot of NHL defensemen. Incredible. I know Lindgren is definitely going to show up because he, in his time with the Rangers, he's always like played the same exact way, block shots, no matter if it's game one or game 82. We're in the, somewhere in the middle, game 50-something or whatever. I know he's fine. I want to see guys like Kako and Lafreniere and Heedle. I want to see Heedle to take the next step forward because he's been around for a little while. He's been around like an extra year or two longer than like Kako and yeah. and, and and the other guys, right? So I think it's time for him to, to step it up and, you know, hopefully he could you know, get his offensive game up to, you know, maybe warrant a promotion to the second line at a time or something. Maybe get him on the first power play unit or something. Heedle. Somehow as the second line center would solve a lot of their money problems going forward, because then you can afford to trade a Strom or a Zabinijad. And Heedle was playing pretty well before he, I think it was his collarbone or his shoulder, whatever happened in that game against Pittsburgh, uh, where yeah, Evan Rodriguez yeah. hit him. He was playing really well that first two weeks. Then he came yep. back. He didn't really have the full range of motion in his arm. He couldn't win a face off. They were playing him on the wing on face offs and then moving him to center. Once the play started, they need him to be right. He's always had good micro stats. He's pretty good skater. He's able to incorporate his teammates. They just need a full season of him staying healthy and give him competent line mates. Playing him with Kraftsov and Barkley Goudreau is fine. I'm worried about the offensive upside of that line because Kraftsov has all of 20 games of NHL experience and Barkley mm-hmm. Goudreau has 32 career goals and that third line is going to need to be able to score a little bit. Otherwise, it's all going to be on the top six again, which is what the problem was last year. Right. And I'd say I'd say it was the problem the year before last year, too, because we yeah. would rely so heavily on Panarin and Savannah Jack and even Strom. Strom like, yeah. And then like when Kreider disappears, you're down up like a, you're pretty much down a player. So yeah. it's not really fun. And you're relying on two, three guys to, to get all of your goals. So getting a third scoring line would help. So maybe if Goche could figure out a way to like, you know, get his offensive well, like side. Me, to, go ahead. What I, what I was going to say, 
that is what is so frustrating. They had Gautier for a year and a half, and they never gave him an opportunity to play over Kevin Rooney or some of the other guys they've thrown out there on the third and fourth line. You're telling me you wouldn't have rather... That's what's so frustrating. You could easily have a good... I 100% agree. You could have a good fourth line right now. You could have a fourth line of Morgan Barron, Gautier... And Colin Blackwell, and that would be an actively good fourth line that could control the puck and actually be a net positive on offense. That is and you could grow those guys. Those are the kinds of guys you could groom to be leaders. Blackwell could yeah. one hundred could have one hundred percent been groomed to to be a leader. Yeah. yeah, I understand. We need it. We need we need a Goudreau like a shot block for me. I I think at least one guy that's been to the Cup Finals, won a cup or something. That's important, but. You could groom if you're trying to build from the ground up. You could also develop leaders. I, I yeah. like what you were saying about that. I think that's a really good point. Um, that's something but, they've struggled with historically. They've always had to go to other places for credibility. They bring in Brad yeah. Richards. They bring in Rick Nash. They bring in Marty St. Louis. They can't organically develop those type of leaders, and they've always had to import it. And when you import a player, it's more expensive. Whether you have to trade something for them or you're, they're a free agent, you have to pay them more money because they're a free agent. They still haven't addressed the developmental problems that have been in the organization for 10-plus years. Fox amazing hockey player he was this good coming out of harvard he was ready to play day one coming out of college and he was this good keandre is going to be the first real guy we're going to get a feel for who's to see if the organization has figured out how to develop players yet kako and lafreniere i think have so much raw talent that they'll be able to figure it out no matter what Keandre is a pretty still raw player even though he played pretty much the full season last year he's the real model that you're going to see either they figured it out or they're still kind of just guessing and hoping things work out. Keandre is the guy I would really be paying attention to if I wanted to see if the coaching change and the organizational changes they made. I know they got a new head of personnel. I know they have a new head of amateur and um, developmental. They hired a bunch of guys to fill those front office roles. Keandre is the guy. I want to see him take a nice step in year two. He came out of the gate pretty well. He had some speed bumps. He still got to get a little bit better in his own zone with the decision-making. He's still relying purely on his athleticism to make plays, which is fine because he's extremely athletic. But if he can put together the intangibles part, better positioning, that kind of thing, he's going to be a really good second-line defenseman. I think so, too. Yeah, you saw the you saw signs of, you know, he would make mistakes. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But you'd see signs of his potential last year. There is an offensive sign to his game, though, that they that was hyped when he was in college, right? He was once a forward, and then yeah. he kind of transitioned that to uh, on defense. But last year, his defense to me stood out way more than his offense. That was like the first thing that I saw. Like nothing offensively really stood out to me. He was a well, little the- he was flat footed on the power play uh, pretty often. But I would like to see him take a step forward on on the offensive side, maybe pop in a few more points here and there, get it, get involved. Like the Rangers use their defensemen. One of the fewest rates of scoring chances of any team in the league. I think they were 25th or sixth out of 31 teams last year in terms of chances created from the point. They were actively discouraging their defensemen from shooting the puck because they wanted it down low. They want their forwards with the puck. And for a majority of the ice time, that makes sense. What's more, 
what's more valuable, Zabinijad having the puck on his stick or Keandre having the puck on his stick? Panarin or Truba? Those are the kinds of micro-level decisions that make sense, but you got to have the threat of it. Otherwise, it turns into five on three where it's the three forwards down low and the two defensemen, and they're not playing together, which happened for stretches of last year. They need to find consistency. That is all I want from the team this year. I don't expect to make the playoffs. I don't expect them to be particularly good. Just no falling behind two goals 10 minutes into the game, and it's over 10 minutes into the game. No more of that. No more you win a game, a big game you don't expect to win, and then coming out the next night and being flat as hell. No losing three games in a row just because you don't get off the bus. Be consistent. All of the intangibles are really what's going to matter because there is talent here. There is talent. They just need to get it to play well. Kreider needs to be consistent. Zabinijad needs to play a little bit of defense if he's still going to be on the number one penalty kill and the first line center. There are guys on this team that are good. It's just maddening how inconsistent they are sometimes. Except Panarin. Panarin can do whatever he wants. Panarin is the only person I will not complain about. Yeah, Panarin. Panarin's great. I'll, I'll always defend that guy. But like, I I 100% agree with what you're saying. Like the inconsistency thing. Like, if there's one word to summarize, like the past season, you, past you know, three what, seasons. Past three seasons, really, is like inconsistency. You know, last year was too much. Win one, lose one. Win one, lose yeah. one. Win one, lose. You cannot go an entire season like that because that's a 500 hockey team right there. Give me stretches where it's like, okay, if you lose a game, come right back with a win and then follow that up with another win. If you lose one, come back with two wins. You know, like if you do that for a big portion of the season, you're going to be a good hockey team. Uh, But obviously easier said than done. That's what I want to see. I agree. I think, you know, consistency at all levels from the coaching staff to the players to the performance and the results of the team. I think that would be you know, ideal. Consistency will go a long way because there is talent here. You just need the little things, man. The little things are the difference between winning and losing to quote Al Pacino in any given Sunday. It's inches. Everybody in the NHL is good. There are no rollovers. Even the Buffalo Sabres will give you a hard time. The Devils will give you a hard time if you are not consistent. Right. Yeah. And we saw the Devils did when we when we had that four game stretch, there were two games where we were up three goals, and then we fell yeah. asleep at the bus, and then they came back and tied it. We ended up winning, but you know you let a bad lousy hockey team come back and tie you. And then the same thing with Buffalo, that game where they lost in the shootout. You know you let them tie it in the last minute, and then they won in the shootout, and you're pretty much you're pretty much done. Like. That can't happen. If you're a playoff team, stuff like that can't happen. You have to take advantage of, of like, you know, playing against the, the bad teams. It's just like in baseball, like, when the Marlins sucked so bad. Like, I mean, they're a lot better now, but, like, the back Mets still when, can't beat them. Yeah, Mets still can't beat them. They're forever cursed by the Marlins. But, like, you know, you take advantage. The team that beat them the most in the division, like, ended up winning the division pretty much. Like, the Braves. You have to beat up on the worst team in the division pretty much but because it's a 162-game season. But I think you could apply the same thing to hockey. Uh, last season, you could have, for sure, because you were, you were playing so many games against the same teams. But the Rangers' division was hella challenging, hella tough. Like, you, so happy that it's not the same this year. It's not as, it's not as hard. I mean, Carolina right. looks pretty good. 
the division's going to be weird. Like I was saying before, I think the high, there's no elite team in our division. I know everybody is rushing to say the Islanders, the Islanders, the Islanders. The Islanders don't scare me like Tampa, like Colorado, like they're, they're good, but they're not one of the four or five best teams in the entire league. I know they went to the conference final two times in a row. I eventually they not being able to score will disqualify you from being good. I don't know if Adam Pellick is as good as he was last year. I don't know if you can bank on 44-year-old Zidane Ochara carrying Scott Mayfield for an entire uh, season. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I know everybody's rushing to anoint the Islanders because they went to the conference final two years in a row. If you told me Washington's going to win the division, Pittsburgh, even the Flyers, Carolina, I wouldn't be surprised. This division is going to beat up on each other. It's going to come down to the wire. There are six teams that could make the playoffs. Any of those six for four spots, because I think you probably only get three out of the Atlantic. So two two wild cards from the division. Philly will be better. It's an opposite year. Philly was bad last year, so they'll be good this year. Washington, <laughs> you, can, you can't write off Washington until Ovechkin leaves. Pittsburgh is going to be without Malkin and Crosby for the first month, which is a problem, but I imagine Mike Sullivan will figure it out like he has because he's a very good hockey coach. Carolina did lose Dougie Hamilton, but our boy Tony D'Angelo will be able to make up 60% of his production, so they'll be fine. (laughs) The Rangers have an opportunity here. The division will beat up on each other, and there's no elite team. The Rangers should be able to beat the Islanders two out of four times. The Islanders are not that much more talented than the Rangers. They just play better than the Rangers. There is a talent, difference. Talent, talent, no. Grit and and like the way they play, it's just they're like so stout defensively. They get into into all like I can't tell you how many games last year when you know fucking Varlama shut us out. We couldn't even get the puck into their zone with control. We couldn't have any sustained offensive pressure, and that's just the most frustrating like hockey ever to watch like the neutral zone trap is just the death of me what i will say about the islanders and this is how this is what i want to see from the rangers this year how many times in the three years under david quinn did you see a defenseman get the puck and just have no idea what they were supposed to be doing once they had it on their stick they don't know to go right left forward opposite ranger player gets the puck in their own zone they panic every single time an islander touches the puck they instinctively know where it needs to go because they are so well coached and so deeply ingrained in their systems. They know their responsibilities and someone is always there. It's why I wrote about it during the season last year. The Islanders are the best team in the league in the neutral zone because their forwards come back to make themselves available for passes for the defensemen. The Rangers need to engage in the neutral zone. They cannot just punt on that 20 foot long space of ice because they've been doing it for too long and you lose too many opportunities against well-structured teams like the islanders like the bruins the rangers can't do anything because they don't have structure against bad defensive teams like the flyers like the capitals the rangers were able to turn games into track meets last year and score enough to hang around against those teams they need more structure and they need to know what to do with the puck the islanders know what to do with the puck will this year's rangers team know what to do with the puck when panarin's not on the ice when Panarin's on the ice, they just tell him, go make something happen. That was David Quinn. That was all David Quinn would write on the dry erase board. Give the puck to Panarin. That's all he would do. That was his extent of his coaching expertise. Mm-hmm. This year, you need to have a plan, more structure, 
and I want to see consistency and I want to see them planned. I want to see that they've practiced none, none of the David Quinn shit. That's my biggest thing. Quinn irritated me to death because the team never looked prepared. They always panicked when the puck was on their stick or when they were playing a team that was a little bit better than them, they would turtle, 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 zero, zero, one, nothing. Okay. Game's over. Cause we're not going to score twice against the Bruins. We're not going to score twice against the Islanders, more structure, more consistency. There is a path here for the Rangers to be decent. <laughs> to be decent. Yeah. The I like that you brought up the the breakout passes, like the long stretch pass, passes. This has been a problem since for years. Not even yes. like under this regime. Like no, going, going back, back to, to like, AV. Sometimes they did it with torts. Like yeah. more so with AV because like he would stretch the defenders out and stuff. But like how is it how is that always a problem it's a completely different team new players nothing not av david quinn even even like maybe a little bit in preseason too when the pass isn't there force the force it all the way from blue line to blue line or you know defensive zone all the way to the you know top of the neutral zone like it's just that's so frustrating shoot or passing when you should be shooting shooting when you should be passing you know stuff like that is what's what frustrates me as a fan and you know that's I'd say consistency and character are what I want to see. I want to see I want to see them fight like not like fight physically throw drop the gloves. I want to see them develop as as players. You know people that we could get along with like they did a couple of years ago. What before in the in the lockout shortening season? There is an opportunity here. There are so many blue chip guys on this team. Panarin is one of the ten best players in the entire sport. Fox is one of the five best defensemen in the entire sport. You have guy a guy in Zabinijad who can be close to a point-of-game player. The first and second overall pick in consecutive drafts. The ninth overall pick in a draft. The third most seasoned player from the 2018 draft in Heedle. He's the third most games played of anybody in that draft class. And you have a goalie who can be probably one of the 10 best goalies in the entire NHL. It should not be that hard to fill in the rest around that. You have got such an advantage built in because of sheer luck. Fox wanted to come here. You got two ping pong balls. Shesterkin was a stash over in Russia for four years before he came over. They've had every built-in advantage, and they never took advantage of it. Sure, you've had a little bit of fun. You had what, a good three weeks, two years ago, from when Shesterkin first got called up to when Kreider broke his foot? You had a good three weeks? That's all we have to show for, and Nor and Fox is Norris. That's all we got to show from four years of a rebuild so far. Right, so I want them to prove me wrong. I want them yeah. to prove us wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Like, show us what you got, pretty much, is 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 what, what I need to see. I want to see competitive hockey. You know, like, don't fold in the first 10 minutes of the game. Where it's just like, all right, here we go. It's going to be one of those games because, you know, it's really frustrating to watch that. And, you know, that's pretty much it. That, that all I have for, for today's episode. I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? Um, Gerard Gallant's going to be the difference. Either he's actually a good coach and the margins are good enough to get this team to the playoffs because last year's team wasn't as horrendous as they played. Or we just wasted another year of good players, which is the least you want to see as a fan. That's really all I got. Right. Yeah, and the the Panarin like thing, like you're taking years off of his contract. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're getting closer to you know the end of his contract. So you want to be as good as possible 
for you know the remainder of that contract however many years he's got like it's like four four years left i think like yeah but you you want to do that and capitalize on lafreniere's elc and the yeah. last year of kako's elc you know um but yeah nick thanks for joining me it was a pleasure good talk today Oh, absolutely. I'm always down to talk puck, always down to help other content creators out. Yeah, so that's much appreciated. Uh, We'll see everybody next week. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Stay tuned for more New York Rangers info by visiting boysandblue94.com and our Instagram at theboysandblue94. See you all next time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay. No!